Oh yes, hello friends. It feels so good to be back. My trip to Bali was fantastic, but I have to say I did miss podcasting an awful lot. Big fortnight without me creating any new episodes. So I'm really glad to be back and getting stuck in. I've got some awesome guests lined up and today's the beginning of a brand new series. You'll have heard us talk about sobriety before, but today we are really delving into it. It's something that I've been playing with for the last three years and it's one of the most interesting and different topics that we actually cover Like a lot of things that we cover on this podcast, it is a tool. It's a tool that can be used to help you develop yourself. And it's odd that people have quite sort of patriotic, visceral responses when you start talking about sobriety. They seem to get offended or defensive or something about it. I don't really know what it is. But we try to break down a lot of our experiences with going sober and also some hilarious stories of when we got very drunk. Um, This is going to be the beginning of a series. Also, I am very proud to announce that I have released my first online product. Six Months Sober is an online course which guides you through 28 days, 90 days, or six months of sobriety so that you can focus on upgrading yourself and developing some new habits, routines, and mindsets. The course consists of daily videos that guide you through the whole process and weekly tasks and challenges that push you into new areas of growth and force you to put what you are learning into practice. You make friends, receive support and have accountability in an exclusive Six Months Sober members group on Facebook. And on top of that, we will be releasing some exclusive content, which is only for Six Months Sober members over the coming months. I wouldn't have bothered making the course if I didn't think that it was worthwhile. And I truly believe that taking a break from alcohol to focus on personal development is the single most powerful lifestyle change that you can make. We're enrolling now, ready for dry January. So if you're thinking about doing dry January in any case, why not allow Six Months Sober to guide you through the process and give you the best start to 2020? If this sounds like it's of interest to you, the link in the show notes below, sixmonthssober.com slash podcast. That's the number six sixmonthssober.com slash podcast. We'll give you all the info that you want or feel free to give me a message at Chris Willex wherever you follow me. This episode is really, really good. I hope you enjoy it and thank you for the support as always. P.S. I'm back from Bali, two episodes a week. Pepper your Angus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I'm joined by the mustachioed man himself, Yusuf, and Johnny from propanefitness.com. Johnny from Yusuf.com. Johnny from Yusuf.com. How are you? You good? Very good. Thank you. Thank you for joining. Great. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, we've circled around this topic for ages. We're talking about why sobriety today. All of us, either by religious doctrine or lifestyle choice, have gone sober for extended periods. Uh, and even the man behind the camera, video guy, Dean. Can you feel the hot potato? It's, it's, it's boiling. It's, 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 it's going to I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Um, yeah, the man behind the camera, video guy, Dean, is one week away from a year sober, which is a fucking feet and a half. Mm. Um, feet, feet, almost two feet. Half. Two feet, yeah. Well, two it's foot and a half, isn't it? Rounded up to two feet. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. Why, <laughs> why sobriety is an interesting question I guess people who maybe haven't heard us talk about this topic before might not know what like why we even consider it something to think about um, like I don't see a problem with my drinking everyone drinks I've always drank just part of society um, but some of the people will know I've done episodes with Ed Latimore I've done two with Don McGregor uh, both of whom are massive sobriety advocates uh, Michael Kaju, who's it was like addicted to fucking heroin at the age of fourteen and stuff like that. He's big into it. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to. A lot of people. It's the most um, replied to content that I put out online about resetting people's drinking habits, and I thought just having a discussion about it would be mm. pretty valuable. So, what made you? decide what what made you pick sobriety as something to do 
so it's three years ago now, just approaching three years ago, and I needed, I just wanted to do more stuff. I was kind of in a bit of a rut with where I was at. Um, I was about to start doing CrossFit. That was one lifestyle change that I made. I was just like, okay, I'm just fucking sick. Like I'm not doing. I thought life would be different than this somehow, and I need more time. I think I did this like analogy where I'd sit down with an accountant at the end of my year and look at how much time I had. It could be me mm. or Chris. It's probably Johnny. Do Chris has, yeah. Do not ring me. And um, I looked at my the amount of available time that I have across a whole year. Mm. And if my accountant was looking at it, he'd say, hang on a second, what's like every Saturday you lose a whole day. And then every Sunday you lose half a day. And then every Monday you lose a quarter of your day in terms of productivity units, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Plus you're spending all this money Plus, you, it's, it's killing you. Like, it's making you live short. It's not going to make your life any longer. And I just thought, hang on, if I stop drinking, I'll have more time to spend on anything which isn't drinking. Mm. Um, another big part of it was I get I get increasingly bad hangovers as I get older, which I think everybody does. Um, another part of it was that it's expensive. I didn't feel like I had anything left to learn mm. from alcohol. Like... It is a drug which takes you to the exact same place every, every single, single time. Yeah. Um, and that's like one of the maddest memories that I've got um, is going away to Vegas. Both times I've been away to Vegas for four days, the same four days, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, fly back on Thursday. And both times I've learned and unlearned the same lesson every 24 hours at around about 3 p.m. <laughs> Arrive, think I'm invincible, start drinking, <clears throat> continue to think I'm invincible, wake up, realize I'm not, hate myself, think, fuck, shouldn't have done that. Gets to 3 p.m., forget how I felt on the morning, remember how I felt on the night, get back on it. Yeah. And the mad thing is, because when you get like super, super blackout drunk, um, it takes you to a place that's so overwhelming to all of your senses that you literally could have been in like the pub down the road. Anywhere, yeah. I do feel that there's a there is some kind of like moral obligation to do that though when you go to Vegas at least once. Oh, I think like, so. I think if you, if you go to Vegas and you just have a quiet time, it's part like, of the entry you've, requirement. You've, isn't yeah, it? you've like, like you've you've done it incorrectly. Yeah. You've not had the it's to, not to paid enter the price Vegas. For admission. Yeah. yeah, to get the stamp in your in your passport, you have to have had that like, experience. What time is it? Not really sure. <laughs> Let's drink. Mm. I um, nearly ate a bowl of uh, nut calamari at three in the morning in uh, in a casino in Vegas. Is that even a thing, nut calamari? So I ordered calamari in a pizza, 3am, pissed. I said to the waitress, she was leaving, by the way, I've got no allergy. And he went, my God. I'm like, he's like, sir, we cook everything in peanut oil. I like, love when when, when, you, when you drip out stories from Vegas. It, it's brilliant because you've mm. got so many gems. That just, <laughs> Hang on. Like, that would have killed both of you. Uh, if it was, well, so I'm okay with squid actually. Okay, but you have such a self shellfish. Ah, no. But yeah, like you, when you go away and you drink that heavily and you have one of those party holidays, like I've done thir- 20, 30 of them. Marbella, Marbella, Ibiza. Like I've been to Ibiza twelve times, and every time I've gone, pretty much I've done that same thing. Mm-hmm. All that you're doing when you go away and you get that blind drunk is choosing what destination and visuals you want to deal with a hangover in. Yep. Yep. That's the God's honest truth. And this is coming from someone who was a professional party boy <laughs> for like 10 years. So that's it. Like this is, this is the thing that you d- did, isn't it? Like this is your, you have an, a level of expertise in drinking. I was so. world-class level partying. <laughs> yes. Um, so, t- like, since I did it, um, I've encouraged you to try and go sober as well. Yeah. And you did that three months the start of the year? Months, yeah. yeah. Talk me through your experience there. What sort of a drinker were you before? So, I, I think my drinking definitely used to be quite a big deal. Like, I used to drink a lot. So What's a lot? Well, I mean, so at uni, heavily, three times a week, four times a week. Um, like, obviously, Freshers Week. I think the most I did... Um, there's a story I can't say for various reasons, but there's a, there's a, there's a thing I did where I, I uh, drank every night for 14 nights in a row. And every night I began with a bottle of um, white Grenache 
Gallo family white Grenache wine. What's that? Oh. So it's rosé wine from like the co-op. It, to be honest, awful. But at the time, you just become so acclimatised. And I remember drinking the entire bottle while playing Call of Duty before going on this night out. And every time being getting slightly better at Call of Duty as the nights went on, thinking this is having less and less of an effect. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You felt like you were getting less drunk. From the same volume. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. progressive overload. In, in the same period of time, I first time hit, hit a 140 bench. That's one of the most proud periods of my life. That's the secret. (laughs) But yeah, so it used to be like that. So Um, very representative drinking then. And then what did you move into when you were working? So it started um, in like accountancy training and it got quite bad again. So it tapered off because like, you know, you think like, shit, I've got to actually get a degree here. Otherwise this has been a major waste of time and money. (laughs) So like got a degree, started a job and then it's like freshers again. And suddenly everyone wants to go out again. It wasn't that bad because obviously you've got to go to work but it probably got more intense. So that's when Vegas happened twice. Mm. Um, you got more money now to yeah, spend on drinking. Yeah, suddenly right? you're like, oh, okay. like The I previous can, material can limitations of your alcoholism exactly. have it, it, been kept I can now on. drink, but in other parts of the world. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I can have top shelf spirits. Yeah, yeah. And that became a thing, like ordering, like, and it's such a dick thing. You know, when people get like a table and a bottle mm. and the first time that that becomes like something you can afford to do mm-hmm. and you feel like such a big deal and then you like the next morning you're like oh, what God, do I do that for wanker um, and then it, it it slowly kind of tapered off but I remember used to I used to hate the idea and I think you'll probably be the same I used to hate the idea of like having a few beers in a pub because I didn't see the point of that <laughs> but I absolutely saw the point of getting off my face blind drunk and I told the story that you shared on the beginning of Instagram of like tactical puke in a in a um, in an alleyway <laughs> um, and that was like the best thing that happened all weekend for me at a point so, so I, I never realised so inject there I totally forgot I'm on this sobriety sort of little sort of stint at the moment but my master's dissertation was the effectiveness of anti-alcohol advertising on students at Newcastle University. Really? I just totally forgot that I'd done that. Right. Uh, if Northumbria University are listening, actually, James Quinn, if you go back and check, it, t- check his dissertation, I submitted mine before turn it in, he just changed the word alcohol for smoking. Oh, my God. Can they retrospectively... Command an F, replace. Like, drinking, smoking, alcohol, uh, you really cigarettes. really dropped a minute there. Really he's, he's already got, he's got, his, he's got his thing. Well, so, so, so one, they can't retrospectively, you can just be like, oh, well, So mine was in before nonsense. Turn It In was a thing, plus we were at different unis, but he submitted my dissertation. What's Turn It In? Is that like an anti- Plagiarism, plagiarism sort of thing? Clever right. um, idea. Uh, yeah, so, and one of the things that I discovered there was that students, and this is for everyone, right? Especially in the UK, it's big drinking culture. There's not a lot happening in the UK. It's not like fucking uh, America where there's literally 50 countries within your country and you can go to them all and do different things and spend the same money and everyone uses the same words. Yeah. The UK is an island. The weather's pretty shit. There's not a lot of sunlight. There's not that much to do, really. People drink. Yeah. They need to drink to keep themselves excited. Yeah. And what I realised was two things. First, drinking's a rite of passage for young people. And that's that's quite interesting, like... If you want to be an older adult with representative experiences that allow you to relate to other people, you have to drink when you're younger mm-hmm. because you need to know what it's like to like have a drunken argument with your girlfriend at 19 or mm-hmm. lose your phone and your keys stranded in Manchester and have to find your way home yeah. because that's a representative experience. Yeah. So that was half of it. The other half of it was that um, extreme... Uh, events on nights out are seen as badges of honour. So like there's no other experience in which two university students would ring each other and say, hey man, how was your night last night? And the other one goes, mate, it's amazing. John broke his leg. Mm. And you're like, hang on. Yeah. Why is that amazing? Oh, because it's it's this marker of excess. Uh, Films like The Hangover have glorified taking substances, alcohol, drugs, whatever it might be, Mm. to excess. And it's seen as like, I'm hard. This is something to be proud of. This is something that's cool. And um, yeah, like that just totally reframed everything. So you normal normal drinking cadence, Mm. bit more of a weekend warrior, bit more money to spend. Yeah. And then that that slowly tapered off. And I think probably where I was when you suggested it to me, it was like, 
it was more a couple of years than it was getting blind pissed because I think you've just you've Boys, seen. I don't mean if we go out now. Couple of pints. You're gonna to have to explain but that. For heaven's sake. Who's that? So what, who's this? Get silly we're, we're on a ski trip and we're 16, right? And the gym, the PE teacher, big bloke, like big, thick man, like thick forearms, thick neck, Deadlift. big barbell right? Yeah. You can imagine uh, he wears like like 80s cop sunglasses, just stands like that. Put it this way: everyone else is wearing like salopettes and big, um, big ski wear. He's wearing jeans and a barber jacket just untouched by it, skin of leather, real Geordie, the strong man. So he's standing up and he just goes, lads, you know, because it was legal where we were to drink in Austria, um, you know, I'll take a couple of quid out with you, have a couple of beers, but for heaven's sake, don't go silly with this, right? I took that to mean... <laughs> a couple? I'm going silly with it. <laughs> he then had like a disciplinary chat with me where he basically just said, you went silly with it. I told you to not go silly with it. That's exactly what you did. But yes, that, that was what actually... What was silly with it? What did you do? I, I had like five beers. Okay. But that was like the first time I'd got like... Really drunk. Legit, yeah, like really drunk. It was brilliant. But um, so I, I was having like probably a couple of beers the odd night out here and there, but not as not as serious. But the thing that I found... Giving it up for three months, the biggest change was you realise just how many like little things you go to where the default would be three beers, four beers. And then you add that up and you're like, shit, over like three weeks I've had, you know, twenty however years. many calories yeah. from alcohol. Or, you know, you wake up the next day, you're a bit fuzzy. Or there's the odd time where you wake up and you think, I probably shouldn't drive. And, yeah. like, and you just think like, what? I haven't really, I couldn't quantify the gain. Because in a way, like if you go to Vegas and you get blind pissed, at least you've got all those stories. Mm-hmm. But if you just have a few beers and then have like, a few conversations where the other person's had four beers as well. And it would have been exactly the same conversation if you'd both been sober. Yeah. Well, all I've had is downside here. Mm. I've had cost calories, lost time, lost like bored conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose it makes it like, it takes the edge off a little bit, doesn't it? Which is why people do it. Yeah. You think like, why do people drink? They get something out of it at the time. Mm. And we live in a society where people make very short-term decisions and ignore the long-term costs. <laughs> so that, that's why it's a problem. It is. It's the, the reason that people choose to drink is for a whole host of reasons, but one of, one of the main ones <clears throat> is that they're, um, the gains are immediate and the costs are in the future. Yeah, they're tomorrow, aren't they? Yeah. Tomorrow's problem. So future Yusuf will deal with this hangover. Mm. Have you ever had a hangover? Once. Yeah. <laughs> so... Is that when you drank an entire bottle of spirit? <laughs> Surprisingly not. It was, so I've, I've, there's a lot of backstory. Don't tell me it was after I made you drink that rum. No. Oh, that, the, was, that was funny. Okay, there's a lot of backstory to this. Um, <laughs> well, hang on. But, first, off, first off, when was your first ever drink? 20. I, so I can remember. I remember uh, when your first beer was. First beer, yeah. I was with Johnny. We were at I a think. marketing event. Marketing. Standing in a room full of personal trainers. Mm. Guy hands out everyone Stella Artois. Is, is this right? Stella, it was either Stella or, or the Corona. Or, it was Corona. Corona. <clears throat> and Yusuf like takes a sip, trying to sneak in, and the guy goes, Guys, Yusuf's first beer. Like that. Everyone goes, like, <laughs> <"Wee!"> <laughs> Which is interesting in itself that people applaud. Like, you're now part of us, yeah, yeah. you're one of us. You've joined. So, when was your first beer? 22, do you say? 23? No, tw- I think 25. So you never drank, um, not a drop. Was that the first bit of alcohol you had? Yeah, and then so that that was the oh, first and then you beer. Had a cocktail. Had a cocktail, but that was kind of like. And then I think it was, it was either before or after. And I remember the the first time I prop. I think the first time I tried alcohol must have been a bit before that, which was a pint of gin. <laughs> <laughs> so I just said, well, it was it was a half liter, half liter. Yeah, just, meat. Yeah. Um, and so, because well, I've drunk much worse stuff. Like we, we, Johnny and I have drunk horrible supplements over the years. That are, yeah, but to be honest, like, just the same. They're not neat gin. Yeah, is like, like alcohol's up there with like you know. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I, whoever I, whoever I was with was like, "Is that gin you just drunk? Like, why? How are you not like? Yeah. You do just but, have a tendency to go because when <laughs> Chris Chris bought you stuff. What was it like a 60, Ray nephews? 60%? Ray nephews, 80% of the room, yeah. A double of that. And, <laughs> and you, st- you sort of standing at the bar and just went, 
Yeah, that's quite strong. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, everyone else goes like turns everyone else's face <laughs> inside out. Yeah, just neutral expression. I think I'm so used to hydrolyzed casein that <laughs> oh, it's everything. It's worse. I think it's worse. It's yeah. different, isn't it? It's got more. It's of more a, immediate. I think. Yeah. So um, that's interesting. Like for us as a representative slash unrepresentative group of people to be talking about alcohol, I was like infrequent but hard. Mm-hmm. You were consistent and sort of low level with some hard. I think ones. I, I was that when yeah. I was younger. I was that, and it it slowly kind of changed over yeah. time. And then you were someone who was sober for. So I mean, what did you think of party culture when you were at uni? Oh, and I just stuff? couldn't be asked with it. I found it so exhausting. Like I'd always be the boring old man at like one a.m. I'd be like, right, guys. <laughs> And like, I'll, I'll tell the Pootites story as well. But, um, but, the, but the the gin was just like, in my mind, alcohol was something that is a drug, like the many spectrum of other drugs possible. And so I just thought like, okay, how would I try a drug? I would take, I would take a therapeutic dose of it um, in, in, a, in a bolus and then wait for the result and see what happens. And I, was like, I, and I, and I, would, I would administer it in the most efficient manner that I could. So it's like, well, I can't go IV. Um, so I'll have to just, I'll, I'll find what's, what's a concentrated drink that's quite like botanical and nice. Gin. Botanical. <laughs> Gin will be nice. So I had, had, um, had it was like oh. something value, like it was a cheap, cheap oh, gin. Oh, value gin. Cheap gin. Come yeah. on, man. So I had that and then like just didn't have anything else the rest of the night. And it's, I suppose, similar to like, you know, you, know, you were saying like you have, you have like a few beers, you're like, oh, it was a bit rubbish, and there's a lot of calories and fluid. Um, it's like the Harry Potter theme tune. Mm-hmm. And uh, whereas, like, the men of Henselman's approach is like, you want to front loads of alcohol as much as possible. So mm. you, you start with an empty stomach and you have eight units, and then you stop. And then by the time you go to bed, you most of the alcohol is metabolized and you go to bed fine. So, yeah, the, but then the time, the hangover was just um, post, I did a sports massage therapy course. And I thought it was around then. Yeah, and the guy took us all out for drinks at the end, and he was like, "Oh, you I'll get you a drink." And I'm like, oh, "I don't really drink." Nick, he's like, "No, no, no, no. He said, I'll get you a proper old man's drink. I'll get you an old speckled hen. You'll love it. You'll love it. You'll be great." So I had an old speckled hen. Have you have you both had old speckled hen? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! Like, for <laughs> someone that already thinks beer is just a scam, like it's just someone's put like dishwater in it, so. Had it, and I was like, Nick, this is the worst thing I've ever drunk. And he was like, No, no I'll get you another one. I'll get you another one. You'll, you'll love it. You're gonna... But Nick, having the second one isn't going to make. And, and, and I'm like, same again. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, same thing. And like throughout the night, then they were giving me like red wine and white wine and lagers. And, and I think the mixture from yeah, what you said yeah. was quite vomit, hangovery. But really, yeah. only two, three episodes of alcohol in my life. It's never, it's never really st- stuck with me. I think because it's philosophically at odds with because it's like I guess in moderate doses not in like a good old whack pint of gin yeah like in in moderate doses it's designed you said like to take the edge off Mm -hmm. and I think that's just philosophically at odds with a lot of my life like I'm not really about comfort you're about you're about sitting with the edge aren't you sitting with the edge like I slept on the floor for two years yeah like um, that's a really like like the philosophical side of it's not one that I've really thought of but you you're really correct with that the fact that people say I use alcohol because it helps to make me more confident on a night out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're not confident on a night out. No, I, I am. Right. Okay. What happens if I remove the alcohol? Cause the alcohol is not a part of you. It's like me saying I can run the hundred meters in one second. If I'm in a car, <laughs> well, Johnny's car can go a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. Right, I know yeah. the words to candle in the wind. Um, yeah. Like that's one of the reasons that people say that they drink. They say, um, it makes me more personable and it makes me have more of a laugh around my friends. Mm. And you're like, right, okay, so your friend's not funny if you don't have a drink. Mm. Um, yeah, maybe. So you're like, right, okay, so why are you going out? Well, I'm going out because my friends want me to go out, but I have to drink because otherwise I'd be bored. Okay, so you're taking this substance to sedate yourself from the fact that you can't bear to be around people you're choosing to be around without sedating yourself yeah, to be around It's them. depressing when you put it like that. It's like the, the, an interesting experiment. It's just I hate my life, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah. Oh. I think that for some people that is the case. But the so when I when I some of the things I tried when I was at uni when I was really heavily into like you know 
calories, are, you know, alcohol calories are metabolized differently to carbs and I need to time it. So I tried to consume alcohol in a way that would, you know, according to the science that I understood at the time, not store any of it as, as body fat, which was some really extreme shit. Um, what like? Well, just menohensilin's front loading all of it. So I did no fat during the day. Yeah. So only protein, only protein throughout the day. And then I basically did Centurion with shots of vodka until I reached the point where I was like, I'm drunk enough now. Then I left the house and drank only water and got back and still had a hangover. So it was like fucking pointless. Um, But during that time I tried going out sober to see what it would be like. And if you just reframe it as like, everyone is expecting me to be drunk. If I just, do what I want. But if I'm just like, uh, you see Mark on the show, Rainbow Rhythms, where he goes, you know, does yeah. that. Like, if you just do that, people go like, people just assume you're like mint and having a good time. Mm-hmm. So you can fully let go. No one, no one knows you're sober anyway and no one cares. Whilst being totally No one even sober. notices. So isn't actually, isn't the reason why people are threatened if you are sober is that like, oh, Johnny's going to remember how much of a... It's ghost at the feast thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like pe- people say like, oh, they're watching. They're watching what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm expressing myself. Mm. But there's someone there who's taking notes. But what does that tell us about what's going on? It says that the behaviour that I'm currently doing because I'm drunk is something that I don't want to remember or might not be that virtuous. Yeah. And the only reason that I'm prepared to do it is because I know that everybody else, I have as much shit on everyone else as they have on me. Yeah. Plus the fact that this, that one of the side effects of this drug is that memory kind of gets a little bit hazy anyway. Um, right. What you said about, about nerfing kind of the edges of stuff, super interesting. Like, <clears throat> I love your use of nerfing. Mm. That's what it is, isn't it? It's nerfing. I like torpedoed. Like <laughs> Sam Harris torpedoed is on holiday. Yeah. I used that Ezra Klein thing as an as a example the other day. Um, yeah, so n- nerfing the edges of a of, of your experience, yeah, like it's fucking hell, man. Like, and I think this is this probably actually gets to why I think there's a fitness menopause in your late twenties, which you've undergone, and mm. you've undergone, and I've undergone, mm-hmm. and fucking Darren uh, Daz Morley's got undergone. Everyone has that I know about. <laughs> that you get to later in your twenties, and you go like, "Hang on, I'm not really growing or learning much more from this particular training methodology. I want to be more holistic in my approach to the way that I do my fitness." I'm going, to find, I'm going to find something that is a little bit more aligned with what I want and a little bit less sort of like... Look at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then it's the Try same with alcohol, or it, it was the same with alcohol for me, where I was like, okay, I've kind, of, I've kind of maxed out what I'm going to learn from doing this thing. Every time I do it, it takes me to the same place. And you curbing the edges off all of the interesting shit in life. Like even if you were going to get in a fight with someone, like, if you're going to get in a fight, or if that fight's going to happen, you might as well be sober and experience what that level of fear is actually like, mm. as opposed to being like, oh, well, I think it was a little bit like this, but this weird substance that I decided to take to kind of fucking blasted me to one side. I've been, I got nutted twice when I was drunk. And... Like, in a row? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> I got nutted twice, then punched. In a, because, I mean, it's a, it's a long story, but I was outside Venue in yeah, Newcastle yeah, yeah, yeah. it's coming back and um, is it really mm. wow um, I've not been nutted when drunk but I can imagine you feel the the pressure and the movement but yeah, not so much the was, it on the, was it on nose or on head I, so I, this is the thing I don't know yeah. I didn't really feel anything I remember like I remember it happening and, and then there's like the like module loading module loading <laughs> module loading I just got nutted <laughs> and, I, I, again. and it's almost like a <laughs> yeah <laughs> Did you just did you just nut me? <laughs> and then nut me again, you're like It's <laughs> happened again. Was it someone you knew? <laughs> no. Okay. So someone I knew um had <laughs> this guy had dropped a bottle that was brown, brown ale bottle, and there was a there was an argument erupted about how it was racist, which is obviously ridiculous. And oh I like God. I like stepped in and said, like, come on, we're going to the next place. And the guy just went, crack. Oh. And then uh so he, unreasonable. He, he ended up, the guy who nutted me, ended up being put in a bin upside down. <laughs> well, <laughs> by someone I know who's uh, involved in rugby at quite a high level. But um, the whole thing was ridiculous. But like afterwards, I just remember thinking like it was so weird to have that happen. And obviously there'll be adrenaline and stuff like that, but you don't feel it at all. Mm. And, but you did. I, I remember thinking at the time, I'm glad I wasn't sober. Mm. But just because, because like it, that, it would have been very like ah, I've been nutted. <laughs> yeah. Whereas it was like, 
I've been, oh I've, my God. I've been sucker punched sober and um, can you by a Nazi. But yeah, very similar. Like you, you just you hear a, a noise, like like someone throwing a chaff grenade. <laughs> oh, that's a stun grenade, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, Flashbang. And you know, yeah, you don't feel the pain. You just like module loading, and then you're like, ah, I'm back. Nazis just holy shit in the yeah. face. Yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, if you were to design a drug, this is like a, a Hamilton Morris thing that he talked about with alcohol. Uh, Hamilton Morris, Hamilton's pharmacopoeia, big psychonaut, loads of like psychedelic research. Big 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 he's farm. not. He's the opposite. <laughs> oh, right. He's the man behind big drugs, anti big farm, anti big drugs. Right. Um, and he talked about like if you were going to design a drug, it would not be alcohol. For um, the what was the what's that thing dose. The therapeutic therapeutic dose amount is fucking huge. Mm. Um, the effects of it, it's like, what do you want? Do you want um, memory loss and lowered inhibitions, a um, little bit of aggressiveness and some kind of like enhanced sadness and kind of... Uh, oh, lower sex drive, um, massive like anxiety rebound, after effect, worse sleep, worse like liver function, all these things that are just mm. like... How about, how about having your willpower the next day completely through the floor? And jeering. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. So I, it's just like, if you were to design a drug, alcohol would be a shit one. And I think what's interesting for you is, Yusuf, is that because you weren't indoctrinated into this little fucking cabal of alcoholism when you were 18 and you go to uni and you're like, oh my God, I've got a flat and halls of residence <laughs> and I can drink. You view it as you view every other drug. It's like okay, mm. should I try? Should I try nicotine? Like I wondered, like have you ever put a nicotine patch on? I bet you have. Not not a patch, but I'm very keen to. Yeah, you, just because I've, I've I've tried like like um, what's it called? Snus. Yeah, snus, snorting it, whatever. Just like try. I wonder what happens. Mm. What's a therapeutic dose? I will choose. Da, 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 very da, much after. Yeah, I've tried nicotine yeah. gum. Do you remember when um, I remember it was we were going through a phase where nicotine gum was advised as like a fat loss. Okay, so oh, what's it like? What do you feel like? Awful. <laughs> Is it like having a coffee? So it's like having a coffee, but more, it feels more like a strong neutropic. It's like an edge. It's more of an edge to it. Hamilton Morris uses uh, nicotine nicotine gum as a writing tool. I mean, like it definitely makes you alert, but it's not, I don't think it's a nice alertness. Dan Bailey got asked, have you ever smoked? And he said, yeah, once had to do like this seven hour drive at night and he's got a 20 pack and just like... (laughs) Oh. Just chain smoked them, like in an effort to keep himself awake. So that's viewing it as a drug. It's yeah. just that smoking is a very inefficient delivery mechanism. But just like drinking is an inefficient delivery mechanism. Well, for when you think about, like, you know, we we talk about um, other drugs on this podcast. You talk about the dosages that people have of mushrooms, grams of mushrooms, mm. or an effective dose of cocaine, part of like grams, like half a gram or a quarter of a gram or whatever. Or then you talk about um, LSD, and it's like. Micrograms, single micrograms, right? Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, how much fuck it, like volume, sheer volume of alcohol? It's so much that's that your body I... has to excrete out the past stuff to mm. make room for more. That's why I went for the gin because I was like, I cannot believe that people get people go out and drink ten beers and they drink. It's five percent alcohol. Like, like yeah, like such mm. a low percentage. It's a horrible drink. And te- who drinks? You don't even drink ten pints of anything. And yet, for some reason, it's normal to go out and drink mm. five litres of some kind of fluid. It's crazy that people just like, don't, like, in any don't, other... Don't, like, hyponatremic or something. Like, <laughs> like, it's just, like, <laughs> if you were to go, if I were like, right, we're gonna, all going to go to this place tonight and take a drug, everyone's main concern would be, well, how much am I taking? <laughs> like, if I'm going to take a drug, I want to know, like, is the amount I'm taking all right? Or am I going to run into problems? But people just go into a bar and just have at it, don't they? I think that's that a, lot of, a lot of that is because we know what the dosage is, right? We can equate roughly one double equals this much drunkenness, two doubles equals this much drunkenness. But one you're, tequila you're like dealing with the like what happens once I've taken it as a measure, rather than whereas people aren't like I, I take two paracetamol to get rid of my headache, mm. but I don't like take the paracetamol based on how bad my headache is. Mm. I just, I take, just take the, the dosage the of the dose. drug that yeah. is required. Right. People tell but, me I'm approaching it all wrong and that's why I'm not into so alcohol. You've not but, had the, like the, the installation. I yeah, think they that, say like, oh, you shouldn't drink thinking about the effect. You should yeah. just let the night flow and just have, you know. So obviously, I mean, the, the elephant right. in this room is that I make my money from drunk people. Now, I've done a mil- I've had a million people, <clears> a million customers go into my events and mm-hmm. all of them, 
I would guess 95% of them more were drinking. Um, but again, I don't have a problem with drinking. I don't think that that's a bad thing. My problem is when you do that back and forth for like 30 years, yeah. 20 years, even 10 years, like throughout your 20s, if all that you do is live for the weekend and be a weekend warrior, you hit 30 and you're like, mate, what the fuck? Are you? You've taken two steps forward and two steps back every week. Your weight loss goals aren't going anywhere. Why do you think that is? You've never developed any good habits. Your sleep's still fucked. Your mood's still fucked. All of the skills that you should have that you can then double down on for the rest of your life, like confidence or the ability to like approach anxiety, the ability to approach someone of either the same sex or a different sex, um, your ability to deal with um, anxious situations or uncertain situations, like all of that. Plus, let's talk about cost on time, cost on money, cost on calories, the hangover the next day, all the mistakes that you, let's not even to talk about social costs. How many times did you cheat on your girlfriend or get in a fight or fucking lose your keys or annoy someone or lose a friend or fucking whatever? So the thing you said about like you hit 30 and you're like, oh God, I've kind of pissed away quite a lot of money, Literally. time, age, etc. Yeah. Like <laughs> a lot of time pissing. In. Yeah. And then <laughs> and I'm out again. Yeah. And um, there's something you mentioned before we started recording is like, we're, we're 30 now, like thereabouts. And, I think this is the age where you see people that you used to go to school with that you haven't seen in maybe 10 years. And for some of them, you're like, oh, you're looking good. And some of them, you're like, oh, like... Tough paper around the last decade, mate. Yeah, like, what's happened to you? And I think it's because, like, at 16 years old, you can do, like, well, four years old, like, all four-year-olds are the same. Like, they can do whatever they want and they're fine. You just made a flubber, aren't you? Rubber and magic. Rubber and magic, yeah, just bounce back. 16, still the same thing. Like, you can you can be a, like, chain smoker, drink mm-hmm. loads, like, terrible lifestyle. Very fine. resilient. You can do that, then wake up the next day and do heavy deadlifts. Yeah, literally. Like, no doms. Doesn't matter. <laughs> just fine, you can just yeah. be indestructible. Yeah. And then the cumulative effect of that doesn't really manifest until about 30, and then it's like... Or mm. like biological age fifty. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. yeah. That it, was I, I was sending Yusuf a voice note and I walked past someone that we went to school <laughs> with who I've not seen. He didn't see me. I've not seen him for a long time. And bad example of of, that. of behaviors that Quick compound. Because yeah. it, it they divert. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's so insidious because you don't. Think it's that, that it's that graph from James Clear where it's like one percent better every day mm. is thirty eight times better by the end of the year. One percent yeah. worse every day is not point not one of what it was at the start of the year. Yeah. Mm, and like the, we're always practicing something, the Kit Lachlan thing. Oh, yeah. Like you're always doing behaviors. It's just like the good you, or bad behaviors. behaviors. Yeah. I think like my I probably stand in between you two on sobriety and drinking in general. Like I still drink even after trying sobriety because I, I think I just see it as like it's one of a hundred behaviors that you do, and it's mo- I think that where I think the most benefit people get from giving something up is like what that thing is masking or what you do that thing instead of, or what you, you do that thing to like escape from a feeling or escape from a, a thought um, or like a part of your life. And when you strip it away mm. and you have to then deal with that thing, <clears throat> that's when it's because it, so it's the, it's the underlying thing. Yeah. Is the real, the yeah. real meat of it is because yeah. like it's, it's, you know, people, how long do people spend on their phones? Why are they doing that? It's not like, is being on your phone a bad thing? Yes, it's not great use of time. But then, like, is watching TV, it, like, it, so many other things, it's, are you, like, ignoring a conversation or it's what is underneath that? Because you can't sit with your thoughts. It's because you can't bear Exactly, board, yeah. Whatever. And I think you spend a lot of time, have spent a lot of time, hundreds of hours of time <laughs> meditating, which is like the opposite, right? It's dealing with what's there. Front and being center, present yeah, face to there, face with it. Which is the opposite of drinking which is running away from what's there or trying to round the edges off so it's not quite as sharp. Or enhance them as well. It doesn't, doesn't appeal, I don't know. Because you're already rounded. Well, well, <laughs> like balsa wood. Well, ball of balsa wood. <laughs> I don't know if I'm a ball of balsa wood, but, but I think like it's it's maybe because it's so contrary to, to that yeah. practice, I feel like, oh, why would I want to? Yeah. But interesting quote on what you've just said from Anthony DeMello, who is a Jesuit preacher, priest, whatever. He said, whenever the priest comes to me, asking for refuge and help. All he wants to do is talk about sex. When the prostitute comes to me, all they want to do is talk about God. And so he's like, it's not about the thing. It's like, whatever you renounce, you bring back into your life tenfold because you're pushing it away. You're pulling it towards you in some way. Mm. Such an interesting... That's what... Well, you'll have this. So me and Johnny, no one even knows this. Me and Johnny have the same meditation coach now. Mm. Uh, And Brian talks about... um, not 
uh, not fixating or suppressing. Like mm. that's what equanimity is. Yeah, yeah. It's not um, wanting more of a good thing or less of a bad thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it and and that's that's exactly what you're talking about there. So what what did you learn from three months of sobriety? Did it reframe anything for you? Uh, I think it made it made alcohol seem more like an option rather than a default. So it made drinking seem like, you know, if I want to go to an event that I would normally just drink at. So it's like, I'm trying to think of an example. It's like a, it's, I think for a lot of people, myself included, it's an automatic behavior. It's not, you don't have a thought of like, I'm going out this evening and I'm going to have three beers. Mm. You just really? find that happening. Yeah. But I would have thought because you have to plan your taxi and not driving. And it's all the that default stuff. though. It's yeah. Really? It's like you're going out with friends. So you know, it'll be food and some drinks or we're going to a bar so there'll be drinks. That's interesting because maybe I'm so out of the habit but f- for me, I would have to, I'd be like, oh, right, how Conscious do I coordinate decision. this because so, I, I can't drive. I think it depends as well on like who, who, which circle you're in because obviously like when we go for food and like when... Mm. We're a, modern a real rarity out. though. Yeah, but that, that because I remember George saying it was, la- it was like this time last year. It's like so weird to go for food with a group of guys and not drink. Mm. Because I'll go through that same situation with a group of other people. And it's like weird if you've not had a beer by midday. Because that's their default. But mm. so it, it, it's, I think, quite dependent on who you're with. Because there, there are people who just don't drink because that's what they prefer. Mm. And some people who it's, like... It's so rare though, man. Like, yeah, very 30, rare. 30, like, and then I guess maybe as, as you move a little bit further on. But it seems to me to be... The, the few people that do, and this is an Ed Latimerism, right? The Alcohol is the only drug where if you don't do it, people assume you have a problem. A problem. Yeah. And that's why so many people, I think, have a, this aversion to going sober. Sobriety is seen as something that's only done when someone has an issue with alcohol. Mm-hmm. can't be a lifestyle choice. Let's and, talk about that. Like the, 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 the backlash that you get when you don't drink. Like, do you get social backlash? Do you get people like assuming you have a problem or trying to get you to drink, trying to like get you to join in. They did when I started. They did when I started, but I'm like fairly sort of well stanced now as the sobriety guy or the Mm. guy, the guy that does periods of sobriety. People give up trying to like. But not even that. It's like, I think a lot of people are very timid about, let's say that they've got something on the next morning. You you go into it, that people have to go into it, fucking caveats and litigation about why they're not drinking. Uh, Yeah. Oh um, mate, well I've got uh, I've got doctor's appointment at ten in the morning. Like, or maybe that's not even the truth, but they have to do it because oh, I've, I've brought the car. Like, mm-hmm. or, some, I know some people who take their car keys out with them without the car, really, so that they can be like, oh, I've got the car, man. Like, I don't need to. I, I can't drink, and it's like that's how it's the equivalent of I've got a boyfriend when, when the, you haven't got a boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. But it's yeah. it it neutralizes that conversation quickly because people are like. Oh, I'm prepared to push you if I think it's your will, but there's certain things I'm not prepared to push you on. But people are prepared to push you if they think it's your will. I'd like, why? Mm. And I, again, I get it. We are all here. The fucking hell, this podcast that went up, <clears throat> this breaks down the podcasting schedule again. <laughs> Today's episode went up with Paul Bloom and he does this. <clears throat> Video guy Dean picked out the best experiment in there. I wonder if you know about this. Psychology experiment. They put people in a room and they get all of them to toss a coin by law of averages about half of them go over there half of them go over there tails group heads group and they go over to the tails group and they're like what, what do you think of yourselves then like, well we're sort of looks like we're a bit smarter doesn't it he said, what do you think about the heads group like, oh, like you got a bunch of dicks over there they're just a load of schmoes <laughs> and it's like the most random arbitrary way <laughs> to split people up into us and them <laughs> And it causes people to make value judgments. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's because for the vast majority of our evolutionary history, we were in groups of 25 to 50, and we were fucking terrified of what was in the next valley because they were going to kill us, rape our women. They had some pathogen that we weren't going to be able to fucking deal with because there was no antibiotics or whatever it might be. We were terrified of it. Mm. And that's still the module that's in there. It's so funny. I'm, I'm even on that. like Because I rotate between medical and surgical jobs. And... That's even, how people. Even that, they're like, oh, it's the fucking surgeons. Like, they're just, they're, oh, the bloody medics always just refer anyone with abdominal pain to us. And like, <laughs> it, becomes, <laughs> it becomes such an us and them, like, oh. Football teams. Yeah. Like sport. It's, it's in people everything. People kill it? each other over stuff. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. Well, religion's the well, biggest one, isn't it? Tribalism, man. Yeah, they yeah. need to plant a flag in the ground. But it's like, here is, he's one of us. He's drinking with us. He's, and it's like, hang on a second. If you're fucking annihilating yourself and taking two steps back this weekend, 
if you were that good of a friend, you'd mm. support me in my cause for sobriety. So that was like one of the main questions or one of the main issues people have when they go sober is how do I do this when all of my friends around me drink? And it's like, well, it'll identify exactly who the friends are that are in your life that are good for you. Yeah. Because the ones who are like, fucking hell, man, are you trying that? Like, if you explain your reasons, really, you're going to, fucking hell, well, like, fair play, man, as opposed to, what, like, are you not coming out, you think you're better than us? Like, what, are you not coming out? And it's like, it manifests your best interests at heart. They don't care. They only want you there if you're destroying yourself with them. Mm -hmm. And if you can only bear to be around your friends when you're drunk, like, Mm -hmm. you definitely need better friends. Full stop. I think it comes from, so, I have, I have some friends who sometimes don't drink and they are boring as sin when they do that. Like not, not just because they're sober, but I think it's because they're in this mindset of like, I'm not really fully participating here. They leave early. They're not, they're a bit, you know, they're reserved. Yep. Yusuf's a good example. Like he's there and he'll be there till it finishes. Whatever the things finishes. Yeah. He's not drinking and you can't, you don't even notice. Mm-hmm. In fact, he's probably more like, Uninhibited, yeah, uninhibited, (laughs) uninhibited than other people who are drinking. But that's a a lot of that is to do with the fact that Yusuf never had to rely on alcohol to be that crux to make them sociable. Because you've you've developed that particular pathway to be like, oh, I can be here mm. and I can not drink, but I can also be a part of this group. But I've been on nights out with you and you're not drinking. Ben's another good example. Like they're just there. They're not drunk, but they're still being still having a good time. They're still Mm. engaging in it. And I think where this, for me anyway, where I'll have a resistance to it is if some people say, I'm bringing the car, just like, you feel like saying, look, just don't, just don't come because you don't, you don't really want to be there. Yeah. You're just kind of doing half so that no one gives you shit. But I think it's for some people, it feels like there's a, there's a, a shift in the way that they act when it's like, right, I'm not bringing the car or mm. I'm not trying right. Yeah, fucking hell, let's get on it, boys. <laughs> but like, there's no reason why you can't just be like that. It's like the thing I was saying with the nightclub. Like once you realise that it's all an illusion anyway <laughs> and that you can just be how you want yeah. and if people judge you then, like they're going to judge you either way so just have a good time. Yeah. And then people will give you less shit if you're just an interesting person when you're so... There's, yeah. And so you, again, you, you're super right with that that alcohol is still controlling that person who's chosen to go sober but is being super reserved. They're still controlling their behaviour. They're just now controlling their behavior by its absence rather than yeah. by its presence. It's a huge placebo effect as well. That a lot of people Massive. like yeah. it, there was that thing where they gave people non-alcoholic. Drinks, yeah, they gave but... two like two tables non-alcoholic beer and alcoholic beer. Uh, okay. and they just acted the same. I think they measured like how much of the food they ate. Oh, Have really? you seen that one? No. They met, they gave them like onion rings and stuff, and get get gotten to rate their perceived drunkness and how much of the food they ate, and it wasn't that different. Right, interesting. Which is crazy. That's mental. It's like if you're drinking non-alcoholic beer, there is a similar... Like, I've had times where I've drank an alcoholic beer, got in the car, and thought, oh, fuck. But then you're empty, like, it's ludicrous. Like, they, you know, like, Heineken aren't going to put alcohol in a non-alcoholic beer. They might. I mean, some big <laughs> lawsuits on. Being shit, yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a particular... I was going to do a, a YouTube video on this, but I couldn't do it without just essentially calling people out by name. Um, <laughs> so I'll try and... I'll try to navigate this like five times before I just gave up. Um, I have a problem with... Uh, you two may not be exposed to this because you're not massively exposed to party culture, but people listening will know this person or these people. Guys specifically, mostly guys, who have this semi-flirtatious, almost like um, gay candor before they go on a night out talking about how heavy the night's going to be. It's like, oh, mate, can't wait to shut down Newcastle tonight. Horn emoji, horn emoji, aubergine emoji. Like, oh, do you remember last time we were in there? And it's like, hang on, are you, are you, guy, are you going in there and rubbing up against each other or something? Like, what are you doing on your night out that makes you think that you have license to use this sort of language in advance? This isn't Dan Bilzerian's fucking villa. You're not unloading yourself into the fucking Playboy mansion here. You are going on a night out to sit in the corner, be nervous about talking to the girls and complain because oh. George, George didn't put five pounds in for the bottle of vodka. Like, yeah. 
that that's the complaint oh, you have and man. I see these people that's the, heartbreaking the same guys who give it massive licks before they go on a night out and are like yeah man it's going to be fucking sick tonight like you, oh they have this like weird dick measuring thing going on before where it's like yeah like you think that you're going to run rings around me but just you wait till we get in there mate. it's like you, you you're drinking <laughs> You, you, this isn't You're consuming this, a commercially available drug. This isn't the Abu Dhabi F1. <laughs> like you're not See, the you're not Lewis the, Hamilton. This is so far outside of my reference point because I, I would have thought like oh I want to get as drunk as possible for as cheaply as possible. I want to be the lightest weight person in the group because yeah it's interesting you know, isn't it how being spend, lightweight is seen as a bad thing when actually you spend it's, three pounds and yeah. well, again it's rite of passage. It's like look I'm able to drink this much because I've drank this much before and more. It's very self-referential, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, but, it's the, it's interesting though, like because that fuels the same thing, if you break from that, your friends are like, oh no, but you've got to gotta be like us again. And and it's like, well, yeah, it does differentiate the people that, I don't know, not necessarily that they, they have bad intentions, but they just, they prioritise their own sense of security over what's best for you. And it's why like, I'm so I'm so grateful to to Johnny for like for being um, supportive of the fact because obviously we text quite a lot for propane stuff, but Johnny was probably one of the only people that was like wholeheartedly supportive of me getting rid of my phone and getting like a Nokia thirty three ten, even though he, he would, would be the person be quantifiably who was the most in in the short term would be most impacted by it. But mm. I suppose like probably because you like. I've seen the, 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 the long term yeah. benefit of it, but yeah, but the, the light in, in the Pandora's box, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so I think um, to go back to why people don't, or one of the fears that people have about going sober, it's like, well, if I don't drink, then all of my friends are going to say, "Why are you not drinking?" It's going to be social pressure. Maybe I'll stop getting invited out to whatever. Like, how do I? The question I get a lot is like, how do you deal with social pressure? You're around people who are drunk all the time. How do you deal with it? And for the most part, I think the same as with a lot in life, it's like if you say things with conviction, people will go, oh, fucking hell. Mm-hmm. It's like when I first started doing sobriety, I was very open about my reasons. I was like, I want more time to spend on some other stuff and I'm challenging myself to see if I can do it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm challenging myself to see if I can do it. Turns it from you abstaining from something to you adding something. It's like, uh, I'm, I'm trying to achieve this thing. It's like, hang on, mate, why are you going out for that morning run? Oh, I'm doing a marathon. Mm. I want to train for the marathon. I want to see if I can do it. It's like, why are you not drinking? Oh, well, I'm, I want to see if I can not go sober for six months. Mm. And I found, like, I'm patient fucking zero for being exposed to people who want you to drink. Like, there's no you know, top, top point one of a percentile on the globe of, peop- of humans that have been exposed to drunk people. I'll be in easily. Yeah. <laughs> easily. Well, you've seen the most drunk. Yeah, yeah. By, by miles. Well, you've even developed the... Uh, oh, a special the, handshake for yeah. keeping people away from me when I try and, <laughs> yeah. when they try and fucking come into too close. sweaty... So if, if I can do it, and if I can do it with conviction, and you can maybe say, oh, well, you're in a position of authority for the club stuff. Maybe that kind of means that people are less pushy. But it's bullshit. Like, I sit down with, with loads of people, new people and blah, blah, blah. And as soon as you explain, oh, I just... Wanted a bit more time or money or I've or just wanted to challenge myself, see if I can do it. And um, people seem to be really responsive which, sh- if you do it with confidence. Yeah, it, it shines a light back on them though, doesn't it? It's like when you know you see examples of couples where like one of them will get in shape or one of them will like hire a PT and start losing weight and it like pisses the other one off yeah. because it... Immediately alienates the. It, other. it alienates, but it also like they're forced to deal with their lack of progress mm. in that area. People don't like to see other people growing around them. Exactly, like they're only they're, yeah. they're only happy if you're destroying yourself with them. And this mm. this is like one of for me, you know, by fortune or whatever. Um, my s- circle's always been sort of fairly small in any case, um, so I've never had a influence that's kind of been that negative but i see it with a lot of people mm. and um it's, it's bad man like that that's you're literally talking about your life like that someone's fucking around with the values that you lead your life by yeah that person could have said to you hey man like i watched this podcast with that modern wisdom thing and they talked about going sober like you fancy trying to do it for a bit like should we should we do dry january or whatever and your response to that person could be the beginning of them 
making a really interesting change to their life. Mm. Or it could be, nah, man, like, fuck that. Like, mm. it's, 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 it's Jono's 32nd. <laughs> like, you can't, you can't miss Jono's 32nd. He's going to York for it. Like, you're, like, you're not going to miss it. Like, just, yeah. what, what, what do you mean? There. What yeah. do you mean? We're going to York again <laughs> for Jono's 32nd. His 31st was fucking shit. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Very repetitive. I don't know, man. I think that there's, there's definitely... Cause I, so I th- something that I know that we all do is like, there's something you do, there's a behaviour. It's like, right, I'm going to try and not do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I love doing Caffeine, that. Caffeine, sleeping in a bed, but, masturbation. Uh, phone use is the latest one. Phone use. Social, social media and all that. That's my latest, like... Yeah. Still don't feel like I'm... Sleeping late, sleeping in. Mm-hmm. All sorts of stuff. Yeah. Eating. Yeah. Not eating. <laughs> so that... Yep, go on. Um, well, just how... I think people do dry January and you'll see, you'll see it happen as January rolls around. Like people's social media fills up with, like can't wait for, you know, people put those countdown timers on their Instagram. Until when they get to have a drink again. And then they go back at it just as in, in just as an intense fashion. And like realistically all you've done, you know, this is renouncing something and then bringing it back harder into your life again. Well, you've done it. You've maybe given internally a month of, of arrest those systems but like what effect especially if you go harder when you go back oh well, yeah the first it's, the first couple of weekends where you compensate yeah it's like the overcompensate person, it's like the, the person that's using intermittent fasting wrong yeah it's like oh well, I won't eat for today but I'll eat triple tomorrow uh, yeah exactly. no no but so, how the numbers work and the, you know the people who are like there's all the stuff about um, it's Friday so it's Prosecco time or yeah. can't wait for Saturday when I'm Him's the clock. Yeah, exactly. Like that that stuff, that is, in, in my view, like those are the people that need a year off it. Mm. You need time to realise. Like, really calibrate. Just, like, just to realise, because like you are using, you are using a drug to, to cover up parts of your life that maybe aren't right at the moment. But you're using the use of a drug to determine your week, your weekly cadence. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, and it, it, it must sound like to some people that are listening, like a lot of the things that we talk about, it must sound so fucking autistic. Like for us to just be like, you, you know, this thing that's taken for granted by everyone. What we'd really like to do is find out what's going on there. Do you have a magnifying glass? Like, but it, it is like, I, I promise you for the people that are listening, like if you think to yourself is a good question to ask, like when was the last time that you didn't drink for more than six months? Mm. for or even a week for some people yeah. yeah okay when was the last time you didn't drink for a week when was the last time you didn't drink apart from pregnancies for women uh, when was the last time you didn't drink for a month and when was the last time you didn't drink for six months and that six month distribution will be for most of the people that are listening before they started drinking yeah that's so, I you, you discovered someone told you upon the day that you arrived on this earth you're going to have this drug from the age of 16 until the time you die more frequently than once every six months or more frequently than once every month or for some people more frequently than once every week. Yeah. You'd be like, is this, is this like mandatory? Is this mm. like a part of, do I have to sign this off as part of my membership yeah. to life or something? You know, the super size versus super skinny thing where they, they take someone who's super size and, oh, super skinny yeah, yeah, yeah. and they go, here's what you've eaten in a week. Or, and, and they show it all on a, in in a big room. tube. Yeah. It's yeah. like the super skinny is like, 50 Red Bulls and like some coffees yeah. and like a, loads of packs of cigarettes. That's someone who's else. figured out that caffeine's quite good for appetite suppression. Yeah, and just like <laughs> carbonated <laughs> drinks and a caffeine. <laughs> and then like the fat, the fat person has just got piles of like pasties and yeah. like... It's all so, beige, isn't it? Beige yeah, food. Yeah, yeah one sauce. colour. <laughs> yeah. And if, if you were to do that with the alcohol ahead of time and also you have like a big blown up 3D rotating image of your liver and just showing like how it's getting cirrhosed mm, over the, the years, you'd be like... Oh, actually, because so I think if we were sat here now, probably not you included, we'll include the VMD. The v, uh, if we were to have four beers, I think we'd all enjoy the four beers. Mm-hmm. Apart from you, yeah. The fifth beer, mm, six beer, maybe not. It it tapers down, I think, quite quickly. I think like the process of you're in a bar with your mates chatting. You have, a, you have a couple of beers. It's it's quite nice. Yeah, right? It's when you start getting Pleasant. silly with it. It is when you start getting silly with it. He was right all along. <laughs> um, but the, like past then, really, it's just all 
downhill. Shit. Well, downhill. everyone. So there's two. There's two like little cliches that I've come up with since thinking about this. One of them is that um, every drink you have makes not having a subsequent drink more difficult. Yeah. Everyone's been out and one wine turns into a couple of beers turns into a bottle of vodka turns yeah. into a kebab at three in the morning. Mm-hmm. Everyone's let it get away. Like there's even that super fucking meme about, I just popped out yeah. and now I've ended up out. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's that. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing that I realized, I, I keep meaning to make a graph about this, but um, alcohol gives you diminishing margins of return in terms of pleasure, but gives you an exponential increase in terms of suffering. So 10 beers doesn't double your enjoyment from five beers, but it more than doubles your suffering the next day. Mm. It starts yeah. to become really quite serious, actually. I, any Anyone who's had, like... So I think pro- if we're talking pints over seven, and you're into some real quite Shit. serious territory there, like, that's a lot of volume. I need to... So there's a, there's a glass ceiling that I bounce off unless I get spirits out. Yeah. Like, there's only... Because you just limited gastrointestinally. Yeah. Like, you're... There's a mechanical yeah. error, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I can just fit so much in and I'm sick of... It's like... I can make myself full enough to want to throw up if I'm allowed to have dessert. I couldn't do it with just savoury stuff. <laughs> so I know this is, like, the extreme case, but imagine, like, this is a spectrum that you get some... You get patients in hospital that their entire calorie intake, 3,200 calories a day... We, I worked out, I think it's like, is the amount of spirit that they're drinking, and it's just that every day. So they'll just spirit. have spirit. Just have vodka, 3,000 calories of vodka a day. No protein. No, no protein. Why, why are they quite lean? <laughs> you, do you like them? No, usually that's... very lean, or with a, with like a, with a bit of a, like, no, 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 no. swollen, swollen organs, but, um, no. but like, to get 3,200 calories a day of spirit. And so you end up having to give them like replacement vitamin injections God. as like an urgent thing because they're so deprived on everything. You got scurvy else. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you like yeah, there's something called Pabronex, which is just like the like big vitamin, like whacking dose of vitamin replacement. Like Barocca. Is that like yeah. the um, what? Like is it Narcan for getting people out of uh, opioid? Oh, I uh, see. Opiates, uh, o- um, ODs. That's Narcan that they use. It's a nasal spray that just binds to the receptors, but it binds it binds harder than the drugs do. But that's the, like when you give that, you have to like run out of the room because they'll get up and punch you. Really? They get really angry. Yeah, well, taking the heroin away. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Basically. Oh really? Is that why? As in, like, if, if yeah, you've if just you give, you've just wasted that. Give the yeah, because it just cut, it just stops the high, and they're they're having a great time, but they're obviously in respiratory depression, and you like I can't breathe, you, obviously. You, and you give them the um the naloxone, <laughs> and they get up, and they're off. So like, you usually have to like either like tie them to the bed or something or taser, have like two policemen to yeah. a taser taser <laughs> and you like you inject I love how they say taser twice I don't know why it's just completely like if you have to shout taser and then you're going to get tasered the second taser at that point yeah. is just well you know it's you know it's coming then do you know what I mean taser, you say taser. it twice yeah I suppose because there'll be loads of times where you might say the word taser once mm. and they will be like fuck yeah fair enough Waiting for the yeah. waiting for the second for the taser. taser. <laughs> I'd love to test that. Or like, if you have a room of policemen, you just shout taser, taser, and everyone. I think if you go in and shout oh, taser, and everyone's just. Have you ever been tasered? Have I ever been tasered? I have. Have you, you been tasered? What the fuck? Wow. Someone in college had a handheld one. I got oh, done in the that's back not of the same. Them. I'm talking about the one that like shoots your nipple. Yeah. What was the stun gun like? Um, it put me on the floor in the back in the hamstring like it just oh, Im- immediately like just cramps you just up disabled like, oh. yeah 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 and, like the fact that the fact that it's that it, it, people use that as a controlling thing it doesn't surprise me because it's so inhibiting <laughs> inhibiting but yeah, it, it's also it's mad isn't there a video of a guy who just takes getting it. tasered and he just deals with it he's, he's like a juggernaut terrifying because <laughs> yeah. you think like it's all alright in the UK because we've got tasers. Do you know what you need? Taser, taser, taser. <laughs> oh. The big taser. <laughs> like the minigun taser that we like. <laughs> like at that point, they just use like, you know, like the crowd control, like the rubber bullets. Yeah. Is it Dirty Sanchez where they use, they try out all the different, like, so they have yeah. like, the thing and the spray, it was the It's the one where they, it shoots a little bag. Have you seen that one? It's on Dirty Sanchez. It shoots like a tiny little hard bag at them. <laughs> get like, like a bean bag or whatever. Pritchard or whatever. And he goes like, ah! <laughs> and like gets him. Like, he wants non-lethal uh, bullets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I once came back from an after party. I, I once came back to our after party in Ibiza to find Pritchard um, in our barbecue kiln. Pritchard. Pritchard from Dirty Sanchez in our barbecue kiln. Then he jumped off the roof of the uh, villa into the pool and nearly broke his leg. 
Those guys have a really great, like, really enviable attitude. You know what he's doing now? Like, hardcore Ironman and triathlon. I'm not surprised. And he's, like, really good. Yeah, I'm not surprised. He's, like, really, really good. He should be an extreme person. If you can tolerate that kind of pain and think it's funny. You know know what they said the most painful thing that they'd ever, ever done was? You see when they jumped into nettles? I have seen that, yeah. It's the most painful thing they've ever done. Really? Yep. More than yeah, they like were eating them, <laughs> putting them on their balls. Oh, that's so interesting. They're like naked paintballing and stuff, aren't they? But I suppose at that point, like one of them got shot in the dick. Yeah, got, got shot on the shaft. On the, yeah. I've, I've, I've been shot on the glands with um, paintballing. It was very. Did you even feel it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's like it nearly brought with, me to arousal with blood <laughs> dripping down his leg, going. What's wrong? Oh, oh god! It's the guy that falls asleep like that, and they get D lock. You know, like oh yeah, <laughs> guys, what? And he's eating the key. My favorite ones where they put a guy's asleep and they put a, like an electric um, bounded dog collar on him. Oh, so whenever he tries to leave the sofa, it just. It, <laughs> and, he's back down again. and he like goes down, gets up, he's like shouting, he's swearing at them. He just goes again. again. <laughs> is, it, is it like location based? It's located like ring fenced. Oh, so and I've it's seen... around his neck and he can't get it off. There's a video from um, Tough Mudder where this guy, so you know, in Tough Mudder, the final bit, electroshock therapy, there's some of them that have got 10 million volts in them. I didn't know this. Oh, so some in of Tough Mudder? Yeah, but it's the, amp- the ampage or the wattage or whatever is really low. All right. um, but the voltage is super yeah. high. So it, like, yeah, it floors people, but there's there's maybe <laughs> let's say there's five hundred of these little threads. It's not when you're under under the ice, is it? Like, surely that'd be pretty. No, so imagine imagine a, a bunch of different pieces of string that is um, twenty feet wide by fifty feet long, and you have to they're all dangling. There's five hundred pieces of string, let's say the wires, like little wires, uh-huh. and you have to run through the wires. <laughs> some of the wires have no voltage. Some of them have basically none. Some of them have enough to hurt, and some of them have this ten mil. Um, <laughs> And you have to you have to go through them, and it's like there's that sort different of coop that you have to sign the yeah the waiver for. So there's some some different strategies. The strategy to do it, I've asked the guy who created Tough Mudder, <laughs> of course, is to, r- is to run through it as fast as possible. Yeah, because the way that wattage works is it's like a capacitor; it goes up and then discharges. Oh. It goes up and then discharges. So if you move very slowly, you'll get the full. You'll end up getting it at some point because you'll be touching all of them at the point that they discharge. Um, and there's this one video of this guy who's like running and he gets like clocked by this one. It's right at the very end, gets clocked by this one, but they're about that far off the floor. So then he's on the floor face down in this mud. And then every time that he pushes himself up, it just gets him again. So he just goes. Surely that's at the point where it's like, a threat to his health. Well, he, he, you have to solid snake your way. Yeah. He's like creak, creeping forward like half a foot each time I, that's really made me reframe the Tough Mudder tough like I thought it was like running with the odd like, like a barrel you had to seriously, jump it's a good distance as well it's like a 15k as well oh god uh, anyway there's so much more that we've got to talk about <laughs> for sobriety and we've gone off, off topic as always um, but if anyone wants to find out a little bit more if you head to sixmonthsober.com slash podcast uh, you can find out a little bit of info or just give me a DM if you have any in- questions or thoughts about what we've talked about at ChriswellX on all social media. Just give me a DM. I'm happy to give you a little bit of advice about how I think you could go dry for January or if you're watching this in 2022 in the middle of June or something. Just drop me a message and we'll see where we go from there. Thanks very much. Man.